everybody, and welcome to episode number 183 of the Canadian Football Countdown, our Week 18 CFL recap. Canadian Football Countdown is a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. I'm Ryan Coop here, joined this evening by the great Michael Garrell. First of all, Mike, how are you doing tonight? Good! Somebody just about spoiled the show script right Well, you know what? This show's already off the rails. Yeah, if, if you're watching live and you're wondering why there's a comment uh, in all of the live chats that, uh, yeah, oops, uh, wrong, wrong button, but uh, it's fine. We're fine. We're here. We're live here on a variety of platforms. Thanks to our presenting sponsor, GameTime TV, which you can learn more about at uh, GameTimeTV.ca. And uh, joining Mike and I here this evening as well is the great Adam Stewart. Adam, how are you tonight? You know, I'm doing okay, Ryan. I mean, let's face it. When you see stuff like that, it shows that we put some effort into making sure that we have the best podcast around. So I applaud you for having that up there. Uh, yeah, it wasn't really uh, wasn't really a week for Adam. Let's put it this way in the CFL. But uh, we'll get into this a little bit later on. We will get into this, of course, as well. Yes, we'll touch on everything from week number 18. We'll also take your comments. We'll take your questions live in the chat. Trey is joining us all the way from Jasper, B.C., in the chat here tonight trey getting a nice week off a little little trip there for him so hope you're having a good time there buddy and you know uh but guys before we get into everything today is of course thanksgiving monday so i think i want to take a quick moment on behalf of just the entire team here to say thank you to everybody who's listening watching joining us live joining us after the fact you know we get some some good commentary as we go live from a lot of people in our comments section. But we I know we also get a lot of people that listen or watch after the fact. And some who may, may never send us a message. You may listen and you never send us a message. We still appreciate you and uh, whatever you uh, whatever time you make for us uh, throughout your weeks as well. So uh, thank you on behalf of the Canadian Football Countdown to everybody out there uh, for joining us on this crazy ride we're on throughout the season. Before we go any further, I also want to acknowledge that the Canadian Football Countdown is brought to you from Treaty 1 Territory, traditional territory of the Anishinaabe Cree, Oja Cree, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and the homeland of the Métis Nation, as well as from Treaty 4 Territory, traditional territory of the Cree, Soto, Dakota, Lakota, Nakota, and Métis Nation. Uh, Trey in the chat says, Happy Turkey Day to everyone except the Mariner fans. Yes, uh, Trey needed to take a vacation uh to cool down after the uh the, the blue jays uh debacle from this week so uh may may take a bit but trey will be back on the podcast to join us next week and uh also all to those mariner fans happy columbus day hope you're enjoying it oh yes don't forget that as well uh we're gonna get into breaking down each of the games from week number 18 right away but first let's thank another sponsor for this episode of the podcast which is betstamp uh, there are so many different sports books out there these days, and each one offers you different prices, different odds on the same games. Well, how do you make sure you're getting the best value? The BetStamp app provides you the odds from all the different sports books in one convenient place, and they even recommends you the best ones for each scenario you're picking from. Uh, if you find one you like, you can sign up for the corresponding sites and link them through the BetStamp bet link page straight to the BetStamp app, and easily track the wagers as you make them. You can also check out the commission-free marketplace, see the picks others are making there as well. And through BetStamp's verified bet tracking, you get the guarantee that the odds 
are verified and legitimate. You can find our consensus CFL picks there under the username CF Countdown Pod. You can also find Trey's picks as well under Trey CF Countdown. Visit betstamp.app today or download it from your local app store. Sign up with referral code CFC. Let them know we sent you. It helps grow the show a little bit as well. And uh, start using Betstamp free today. Uh, and remember, best of luck with your wagers and always bet responsibly. All right, guys, let's get into things here with week number 18 in the CFL. Four games this weekend, including one earlier today. But let's start with the one that I believe was Friday night, which was the Saskatchewan Rough Riders 14, the Hamilton Tiger Cats 18, the final score in this one. Uh, I know Adam's going to have a lot to say here about the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. We're going to put the pause on that a little bit. We'll let him stew a little bit longer here. Um, but, but, and let's go to you first, Mike, to get some reaction from you on the, this win for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Well, I won't take up too much time because I'm curious what Adam has to say, but I will leave this note. It's abundantly clear why these two teams are fighting for the last playoff spot, presumably uh, unless you want to take today's results with some form of seriousness, which we'll get to in a minute, uh, in a little bit, actually. But to me, this was two teams that are showing why they are battling for the last playoff spot. Uh, self-inflicted mistake after self-inflicted mistake after self-inflicted mistake. Um, the definition of insanity is trying something or trying the same thing and expecting a different result, um, no. Respectfully, without the run game, Hamilton wouldn't have won this game. Respectfully, they couldn't uh, put up more than 18 points against the Ryder team that has been reeling. Uh, I did both teams an F for this game. Uh, thankfully, the only part of, I guess, saving race is somebody had to get two points. The ultimate worst thing would have been if it would have tied and it would have gone one and one. In all seriousness, though, uh, I, I still think Hamilton showed why they have a long way to go. Um, but this isn't about the game, but they lost. More so than Saskatchewan and my mind lost it for themselves. But without repeating myself, both teams deserve to lose this game. And the team that made the fewest mistakes at the least, I guess, important time of making mistakes won the game. But it's not a letter to write home about. It's not a letter of recommendation about why both these teams should be in the playoffs. In fact, I'm just over it. Somebody get that other playoff spot while the rest of us sit here with who it's going to be. Yeah, we're going to talk about that probably throughout this show, the chaos of that final playoff spot for the East Division. But uh, for Hamilton side of things, you know, you mentioned the run game, Mike. That's the big thing we've been waiting for all season is that run game. And saw sparks of it from West Hills. I put him in my fantasy lineup this week, and it's a huge – we'll get into fantasy later on, but that it was a huge impactor. 25 carries for West Hills might be more than the Ticats got from their running backs in uh, five games this season like a combined five games uh so not only that they had big plays from the likes of anthony johnson you know some younger guys stepping up here later in the season for hamilton and uh yeah not pretty it wasn't a pretty game there's 
quarterback had a 45% passing uh, completion rate in this game and no touchdowns, but they got the job done over the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. So that begs the question here. Uh, Adam, what went wrong here for the Riders? What didn't go wrong for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders again this week? I mean, let's put it this way. Cody Fajardo had a 77% completion ratio. You'd think, wow, he, he had a good game. No, he didn't. He wasn't able to leave the pocket. He pulled the ball down fast because an offensive line was terrorizing him the whole, or the defensive line was terrorizing him the whole night. Seven sacks again last game here against the Hamilton Tiger Cat squad that didn't even have Simone Lawrence in it. You let seven sacks in. 66 on the season so far for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. You think about this, the Calgary Stampeders have 13. One team in the league has 13 sacks, one has 66. Guess which team is fighting for their playoff lives and which one has clinched? I think I know which one. What is the record for sacks given up in a season? Do you know? I, I'm trying to. Fin- I've been looking it up and I can't find it. So if I do find it, I'll definitely bring it up for uh, for the uh, show later on for the preview show this week because it's absolutely insane that you let 66 sacks on on any quarterback. Period. Uh, yeah, maybe one or two of those were on Mason Fine or on Jake Dolagala. But for the majority, that's that's all uh, on Cody Fajardo. So where do you go from here? Saskatchewan has one receiver that did anything really to note. Uh, Keon Schaefer-Baker had a reasonably good game. I'll give them that. Shaq Cooper didn't have a good game. You, I mean, he came in, he was his one week of practice, and Saskatchewan's banged up badly in there. At least they got a bye week. Maybe they might get Jamal Morrow back for uh, against Calgary in two weeks' time. But is that the savior? No. Uh, in, I think it was week six or week five, I know that I said, you know what, this team in Saskatchewan will fight to make the playoffs. This offensive line is gruesome, and it will not it will fight it will fight tooth and nail they'll win the odd game but that's about it i didn't think it was going to be quite this bad but it's this bad saskatchewan really needs to get this changed up uh as i said on uh, twitter earlier this week the dynamite's lit uh it ain't getting stopped it's just a matter of how long this fuse is they've got to blow this up at the end of this season or even before to be honest it's a bye week i can't believe that they haven't done anything in Saskatchewan yet. I, I hate to do this because I know Mike is just sitting there and thinking that's my line is to say blow it up all the time. But honestly, they've got to blow it up now. It's It's gone to the point of almost beyond embarrassing in Saskatchewan. The coaching staff is not being looked at uh, by players. Players are kind of infighting with each other. It, it's ugly in Saskatchewan, and this isn't getting better this season. If they happen to win a game or two and happen to – limp into the playoffs, I I don't see them having any luck against any team. I mean, they might manage to pull off a fluke and win a game, but I, I'll i be honest, I don't see another win out of Saskatchewan this season. Uh, and the other thing is now they don't control their own playoff destiny. Hamilton controls their own destiny right now. They win against Calgary, and one win against Ottawa does it, essentially. So I don't know. I... This is not where I want. I didn't expect Saskatchewan to be this year. Uh, there's a reason why I've been wearing a black CFL hat quite a bit more instead of a green Saskatchewan Rough Rider hat. Uh, 
I'm just I I don't know what else to say on this game. Uh, they used to be the pri- their pride in Saskatchewan was keeping running backs under 70 yards. You you let the team that never rushes the ball with 132. Just things are not working well in Ryderville. I'll leave it at that because I could go on all night about it. Uh, Mike, you got a point there? Yeah, I, I, that's what I'm going to ask you. Um, when do you say blow it up? How far are we talking? President down. Blow it right up from Craig Dick, or from Craig Reynolds down. Craig Reynolds doesn't have an idea on this team on how to build an on-field product. Yes, he's okay in marketing. They're okay with uh, with the books and accounting. That that's part of it. You still have to have an on-field idea of what you're doing. To me, I think you go right to the top and you blow downwards because Jeremy O'Day clearly is not doing anything to help this team succeed. Limited in years, there's what you can do. But the more I think about this, I might have an argument to keep Craig Dickinson, but that's about it. I don't have one in him either. The only because... reason is the last two years you've been one play away from winning the playoff game in one of the great cup. I'm not too sure I'd be willing to pass on a guy over one bad year. To me, I, you could probably make the argument but Craig Dickinson is keeping this team together to an extent. To me, I'll put it this way. I, I look at this team and they've completely gone off the rails. This team was pretty well not far from the same team that went to the 2021 West Final and played a sloppy game against Winnipeg, even though they had a chance. This is pretty well the same team in 2019 uh, on the offensive line uh, that had an opportunity to possibly win, other than a crossbar, the West Final in Saskatchewan. To me, Craig Dickinson has lost this room. They are not working together with his other coaches, it doesn't seem. I mean, when you go into a when you go into a meeting afterwards or go into a uh, press conference, and the first thing they say is, "What do you need to do to make this team succeed?" and say, "Get healthy." That's not a good answer. This is a team that needs to go and see leadership. It doesn't have much leadership anywhere on this team. Cody Fajardo is worried about a contract. He's not worried about even trying to make the playoffs anymore. He he said it on on a few interviews already. Why bother going and I'm looking, I want to make sure that I'm financially stable and I've make sure I'm playing good for a contract and I want to earn my way and keep in Regina and all. One way you could say, okay, well, he wants to stay in Regina, but another way, shouldn't you be worried if this is an opportunity for Saskatchewan who is hosting the Grey Cup 109 here in mid-November and yet you're not even thinking of that. You're just worried about yourself with a contract. That's that's not a leader in my opinion. Uh, You look at the offensive line. Dan Clark was out way too long. Now who they really look at? Is it Logan Furland? Don't think so. You don't look at usually the second-year player. Is it Logan Bandy? No. I mean, there, there's no no real veteran or guy that's been there for a long time that can, besides maybe Shaq Evans, which isn't probably the greatest of leaders to begin with, that that there is in this team. I mean, A.C. Leonard essentially is probably your leader on the, on the defensive side of the football along with... Uh, Probably, I don't know, maybe Nick Marshall. I mean, Saskatchewan needs to do something drastic. If the players will not follow this coach, the coach needs to go first and followed by the general manager for, again, not addressing a need that he had in the offseason. You look at Winnipeg, they're still the kings of the league, but 
they haven't changed a whole lot a long time. Saskatchewan, this has been kind of, they, their peak was about 2019. They probably would have maybe even made the Great Cup in 2020. We don't know because that season obviously went down. And then it's been going down from there. So to me, this is starting to go the downward trend. That's usually when things happen. And to me, it's time for a change. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that one, Adam. I think uh, I think I said it on the podcast last week. Somebody had asked, you know, who's in more of a tear everything down and rebuild state in the offseason, potentially Ottawa or Saskatchewan. And I said Saskatchewan if they missed the playoffs, right? Because Ottawa, and we'll get into it later, you know, maybe they have the potential pieces there in a coach and Bob Dice. But uh, Saskatchewan, if, uh, this the way things have gone, given the expectations, I would be shocked if we don't see some some major changes coming this offseason. And uh, we'll see how this playoff race plays out. I, I, we've got, you know, Hamilton now. They pull within one win back of Saskatchewan for that final playoff spot. They've got a game against Calgary, then I believe two with Ottawa. Uh, Saskatchewan's got two with Calgary. So the Stampeders who are on a bye this week might be the most important team in the playoff race here because they control many a team's fates here along the way. Let's move on to talk about our next game here, which was the BC Lions and the Toronto Argonauts. And yes, one Toronto team had a great day on Saturday, while another unfortunately did not. But uh, the Toronto Argonauts pulling out a 23-20 to win here over the Lions thanks to a last uh, second missed field goal off the upright by Sean White with about a minute left here in this one. Uh, Mike, let's go to you here first. Uh, the Lions came all the way over to Toronto. They fall just short. What did you see here from, from BC? Well, I mean, we shouldn't really be surprised about this West team goes East and there's a bit of a letdown. It's no different than the East team goes West. However, um, however, um, the Oscar of the year should go to Sean White. I think I said this in the group chat. Uh, he made it look like after that field goal, he got ran over like a truck, like that by a semi. Uh, quite hilarious. He actually looked like, and I hate to inflict pain on Ryder fans, but he looked like Paul McCallum after missing that playoff field goal, just going straight down to the ground in uh, in disappointment. Um, however, I do believe as much as, you know, this is, you know, a, a, a BC loss, I think there's a lot more positives than negatives. Um, if you really want to be interested, uh, this could be a great top three preview. If BC runs, wins a second, goes into Winnipeg and wins. Um, but again, it, it's, it's one of those hard-fought defensive games where the team that made the most mistakes ultimately lost. And to be honest, McLeod Bethel-Thompson, I know uh, Adam, you're going to talk about Toronto in a second, but he's slowly quieting the credits. You know, we wondered how would they respond after that calorie game. And to, to me, this is a team that's ready to go to the great top 
against a team that, you know, it didn't fight to death there. And, you know, their home field advantage in the semifinal, I think it's going to be a must for BC, but it's not all doom and gloom. The only thing they have to be careful of is that this doesn't turn into some kind of slide because I realize they have two games in between the Winnipeg games, but let's just say for argument's sake they drop two of them to the to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I'm not sure that's gonna inspire a lot of confidence having lost three of your last four games of the regular season going into the playoffs. So but again, you know, you could argue three of those games, you know, don't have a lot of meaning after what happens uh later in the week, uh, with the bombers actually later in the day finishing, you know, first in the West. So it's like it's like a devil's sword, right? So for BC, you want to just be playing the best football possible. I don't read too much into this game, other than a, uh, it was a, it was a good old football game between two very good teams. If you remove the Winnipeg Blue Bombers from the equation, and somebody had to win, somebody had to lose. Um, it's just amazing to me that when the Ardos don't get a pit sit, or oodles and oodles and oodles amounts of turnovers, how they're going to struggle to win football games at times. And I think that needs to be taken into consideration as a possible uh, concern. Meanwhile, BC still needs to find that consistency, uh, I find, with VA at quarterback. I, maybe I'm making too much of one game, but We'll see. We'll see. I just, uh, I'm curious how much of a, of a barometer those two uh, Winnipeg games are going to be, just given given what's at stake. And I, memory escapes me who that game is uh, in between when the Bombers are uh, on a bye week. But it's uh, it's Edmonton. Oh, it's Edmonton. Okay. So realistically, one and two down these remaining three games. I'm not sure how that inspires confidence uh, in your fan base. You want to continue that that onward uh, trajectory if you're if you're uh, BC. Yeah, this was kind of a costly one for BC because they kind of controlled their own destiny if they would have won this. They have the season series with Calgary, right? So uh, if they win this one, they're at 11 and four in that case. Uh, they're one win up, essentially two wins up over the Stampeders. And well, if you look at the schedules, BC, yeah, they've got the game against Edmonton, but they have to play Winnipeg twice. Granted, Winnipeg could be resting starters there. Calgary's playing Saskatchewan twice and Hamilton. So it seems Calgary's got the easier schedule down the stretch. And we've talked a lot about BC needing that home playoff game. I don't think the injuries helped with them in this one as well, though. Brian Burnham's out. Lucky Whitehead missed this game. But you had guys step up in that offense, like Alexander Hollins, who stepped up in his first game, put up a nice touchdown on the board. So, uh, yeah, the Lions showed say they had some nice depth, but fell just short. Uh, Greg in the Facebook live chat said uh, Sean White should be playing pro soccer after that dive. Uh We've got a couple people uh, chiming in in the chat here uh, on this game as well. Yes, happy Thanksgiving to you as well, Richard. Uh, good to see you here as usual. 
Uh, Adam, let's talk about uh, the Toronto side of this game. Uh, what for you stands out from the Argos as uh, they pull this one out? You know, I think one thing that really stands out to me is McLeod Bethel-Thompson turning into more of a game manager, actually. Uh, 354 yard, or 352 sorry, yards, had a touchdown, didn't throw an interception. That's a key word for McLeod Bethel-Thompson because he had that tendency earlier in the uh, spring and in the summer here to throw those kind of weird-looking interceptions once every so often. Nothing here, which is pretty good against a pretty good defense defensive secondary of the BC Lions. Another piece that I'm really looking at is Markeith Ambles. Getting going really good uh, in the uh, stretch drive here. 8 for 11, 121, had a 25-yard long uh, catch. But you know what? The big thing with him was he was making those catches. When he needed to make the catch, he kept the drives going. Toronto did a great job of just keeping things going and keeping moving forward. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, they were missing big pieces, yet they still made managed to hold off a very powerful Winnipeg defense uh, offense, which is first in the league in offensive uh, yards this year. So good on the Toronto Argonauts. I think it was Kiris Edwards. I uh, had a very good game. Uh, five defensive tackles. Javar, J Jared, uh, J Jared Davis. I always have a pronunciation problem with his name. Nevertheless, uh, two tackles, uh, two sacks, uh, two defensive tackles. Uh, Robert Priester, another guy that just came in uh, into this game here because of an injury. I believe that was to. Uh, oh, my name escapes me when I'm Winter trying. McManus? Yeah, Quentin McManus, sorry. Uh, Priester took over for him, ends up getting a forced fumble and three tackles. Again, Toronto's defense can keep him into games. It's just a matter of if McLeod Bethel-Thompson can make enough plays to keep the drives going and keep that defense a little bit rested. In this game, he succeeded very well, mainly throwing by committee to a lot of players. So to me, Toronto did a very good job of that. I would really like to see, though, the Argonauts start to really use A.J. Ouellette out of the backfield because only 42 yards, I believe, again this week. Not very many. When you're getting into cold weather, you're going to have to start pounding the rock. Uh, Trey will agree with me eventually whenever he hears me say this. Uh, it's the way it is. You've got to make sure that you're running the ball. And Toronto still hasn't done that since Andrew Harris left. Now, if they can get Adrian Ouellette comfortable in the backfield, start moving the ball. They've got some time now. They've, got, they've clinched, I think, a home playoff game at minimum. Uh, so, you know, I think Toronto is okay. I think they're, they're doing okay. They're doing the right things. But one thing they do have to work on though, is that run game a little bit. What do you think, Ryan? Yeah, the Argos, uh, I mean, they put up, yeah, run game slowed down. Olette had a good rushing average the past couple of weeks, still didn't get a ton of carries. So I, I, I thought he was going to, you know, maybe have a breakout game here, but down to a 3.7 average, that's not ideal. He does get five catches for 20 again, so he's still got the usage there uh, among that. But, hey, the Argos put up 352 passing yards, and uh, they've been missing Eric Rogers all season long. Devaris Daniels, I think, may have been out of the lineup this week. Demonte Cox, he was out due to injury as well. I mean, you had Tommy Neald, who caught the major touchdown, I think, in the fourth quarter, right, for them, a guy who... I was just, uh, you know, watching the recap today. Six catches all season long, they were saying on the broadcast, and made a big play. So they've got some guys stepping up and making big plays, and the offense is doing enough to get it done with the way the defense has been playing. If the defense hasn't played the way they have all season long, I don't think Toronto is 
nearly as the high of a record as they are. I think it's one of those teams that's more defensive heavy and the offense does just enough. And I don't think the offense has been terrible to the point where it's cost them football games necessarily. So this was another one. It was a close one uh, for, for the Argos, but uh got to give them uh, major credit here for pulling out the win. And uh, yeah, clinching a whole, uh, a playoff spot. Uh, I don't know if it's uh, specifically a home playoff game, but it's got to be close uh, at least here. If not uh, and nine and six on the season, they're, they're one win away from being tied with BC and Calgary for the second best record in the CFL right now. So as much as we want to talk about, you know, the East being the worst division, yeah, Toronto still got a good record. I think they're going to finish up there uh, very close to the top two in the CFL. Let's move on to our third game of the week here, which is the Edmonton Elks coming into Winnipeg for this Saturday evening game. And uh, boy, was this one over quickly. You know, funny story, guys. I mentioned it the last week. I was at a wedding uh, during this game, so I missed this one live. And I had turned off all my notifications on my phone. I texted Mike and said, please don't spoil the score for me. It's at a wedding. Chances are there's people that are football fans. There's somebody's going to spoil the score, right? Well, it did happen. The uh, the, the father of the bride uh, announced the score over the microphone. Uh, but it was during dinner. And this game was a 6 o'clock, 6.30 start time. And he announced it's 20 to 1 for the Bombers. And then I start doing the math in my head. And I'm like, is he just messing with us? Because like, this is like half hour, 45 minutes into the game. Like, there's no way that it this is accurate. Like, how did this happen? Sure enough, I get home and I watch the game late at night. And that was the case. Uh, Mike, I know you've got a lot of good things to say about the effort from the Bombers here, but we're going to go back to Adam first here to tell us what went wrong for the Edmonton Elks, because I think this might be a quicker one. And uh, Mike, uh, then we'll give you the floor to talk about the Bombers here. So uh, Adam, thought maybe a trap game for Winnipeg in this one, but but it really wasn't, was it? You know, I mean, when you see 14 points in a uh, for a spread on fantasy or on betting, and you're wondering what in the world, no way can Edmonton go down that bad. I mean, they just finished keep, keeping with Montreal. And hey, Montreal beat Winnipeg before, so you never know. Edmonton may do the same thing. Nope. <laughs> Pretty straightforward. Edmonton couldn't uh, just right off the draw. Dalton Schoen ends up getting a big play. Then Nick Dembski gets a big play. Then Dalton Schoen gets another one. And then all of a sudden Brady Oliveira starts running and Edmonton was way behind before this game even got started. I think Edmonton barely landed the plane before Winnipeg already started scoring points by the way this one went, to be honest. Uh, he couldn't utilize Kevin Brown in this game because he just was essentially, well, let's face it, they were already way, yeah, what, 19 points down? How do you all of a sudden throw the running back in? I mean, Makes well, sense why I know well, not, to, not to mention not to mention the injury right like he yeah. they threw him out there he ran got up needed help getting up and then was like no I'm good to go and the next play needs help up again and next play like yeah. especially when down this much enough is enough at some point take him out of the game for Pete's sake and they did exactly but. I mean yeah Edmonton's just in in right now is in audition mode I mean they they knew that this was going to be a challenge coming into Winnipeg. I mean, Taylor Cornelius just did not look good at all in this game. 
uh, he ended up going, uh, what, 11 for 24, 45 yard uh, percent completion percentage, 137 yards. I mean, Zach Aleros had that probably in the first five minutes of this game, essentially. Uh, and again, one touchdown, no interception. So at least he didn't throw a pick. But <laughs> the rest of this game was just painful. The Milanovic leader became the uh, backup uh, running back for the Edmonton Elks. Uh, eight carries for 47 yards, 12-yard average. Our longest was 12 yards. Uh, the only real bright spot, and I got to admit, whoever found him, if it was G. Roy Simon or whoever did for the scouts for the Edmonton Elks, they found themselves a keeper in Dylan Mitchell. Six for eight, 107. Uh, touchdown, 59-yard bomb for him. Uh, yeah, I think that probably he's going to end up in the Hall of Fame before too long here, right alongside of Nathan Rourke. But we'll work on that one eventually as well. I would keep on trying to go on and on and on about Edmonton here, just to keep it a mic away from Mike, so you could tell us how how the uh, Winnipeg Blue Bombers did what I said they needed to do a long time ago, and just absolutely wail on a team. So, uh, Mike, the floor is yours. Go ahead. I don't mean to be uh, a showboarder by any means, but. But you do. Well, like Adam said, long time coming. Um, the bad news is if you're Edmonton and you learned this lesson, you had control of the Blue Bombers pretty much in the first meeting, and you couldn't win that game. And I'll just make the wild assumption but a bunch of bombers remembered that game and decided to make amends and made a statement, quite frankly, about how personally after that game, I, I the first game in Edmonton, I I don't remember a lot of bomber players being happy despite the victory. So, for lack of better term, they had some scores to settle. And settling scores, they did in a big, big way. Um, not to get too high and mighty or anything, but it's about time that the Bombers took an opponent behind the woodshed that they quite frankly should take behind the woodshed. I would have been concerned if this was a football game going into the fourth quarter because... <laughs> You guys, mostly a lot of observers in the CFL, have been waiting for the Bombers to assert their dominance. Well, I have a feeling the Winnipeg Blue Bomber engine is kicking into high gear. Uh, more so the last two weeks than maybe the last part of the season uh, before that. So that's a scary prospect when you look at um, when you look at what's to come and who to come back and from injury and all the injuries and Ellingson and those types of guys. But it's just one of those things where it's an offensive coordinator. And I think this was alluded to on the broadcast about an offensive coordinator and a quarterback working so well together. And they understand each other. What if it's saying, okay, give us Dalton Schoen, we'll burn you. It's all 
day long. Cover somebody else. Oh, okay. That's no problem. Rasheed Bailey. Oh, and then Nick Dembski. Almost every single first drive of the game is left wide open up the middle. The Bomber offense, the way they clip at high when they're going is terrifying for everybody else. Because you got to spend an extra hour trying to figure out how to stop everybody. And then the Bombers go one wrinkle in that you haven't seen. Um, so it, it's just, it, it's, it's an embarrassment of riches. The one big difference, gentlemen, that we're talking about with a Blue Bomber team in the last four to five games is now all of a sudden it's being made more efficient because the play action is working, because the running game is working. And now you can't necessarily dang up on the pass because Oliveira or Dempsey or McRae or Johnny Augustine can blitz you for five yards, which in actuality is all you really need on first down to convert on a second and manageable. So good game from the Blue Machine. Now the question is, and Ryan and I had this to be, endlessly. How do you play the next two games without getting anybody hurt while keeping everybody in rhythm? The way you suggest to me is you look at what's coming up after this week. The one thing left to prove is that your mind is not on that bye week coming up after this week. Because the math suggests they're owing to the game before a bye week. Okay. So, now it's just a matter of who's going to play what and how much. And I think the icing on the cake of terrifying is when you have a backup quarterback come in and throw a touchdown pass, and he looks like Zach Kalaro's doing it. Now, that was one play, but let's see here going forward what the Bombers do with rest and relaxation and... This is a veteran team that could sit Zach Kalaros till the West Final, and I wouldn't have a concern. Uh, this is a team that knows how to get it done when it gets done. I think that's a that's a bit of an absurd statement to sit the star star quarterback for the no, West Final no, and they'd be fine. But you know what I'm saying, right? It's like, okay, I would rather sit him so that I know I have him than. Down the stretch, but not in the West Final. Yeah, put it put it to you this way: If Zach Kolaros is a bomber quarterback in the fourth quarter of any of these remaining games, I will be shocked. Yes, and I think that's what you meant, right? Not yeah, in the playoff that's game. That's what I'm alluding to. There's no need to put him in unnecessary danger. And there's if it's a half to keep him fresh. By all means, because we all know what happened. I forget the year. East final, Kevin one breaks his arm. Ugh. Oh, yeah, that was 07. I remember that year very well. Any experience. What, so whatever I'm, memories help you get through this year, Adam. Whatever you need to <laughs> hold on to. I think it's a, called a stiff drinking therapy. A lot of therapy. 
No, but Mike and I, we were having this discussion about, you know, what do you do these next two games? Because it's a unique scenario where the Bombers have a game and then a bye and then a game and then the bye and then the West final, right? And so do you, let's, I think we're all on the same page. You don't play your starters in all of the games, certainly, but then it's, do you play them next week going into the bye? And if somebody gets injured, that's three weeks to heal up, but then the starters don't play that long. Uh, before the next game or do you you know take next week as the starters rest and and then the final week of the season they play but what if somebody gets injured i don't think this is one with a definitive answer uh what do you think adam the worst yeah, no, scenario but, would be the buy the last week of the season and then the last semifinal. so but here's my work. thing you go and watch those dynasties back in the day that the calgary stampeders used to have oh nine till what 2016 2017 they're always contending for the great cup they're West finalists most of the time. Well, the problem was Calgary, one time they played uh, their players. Junior Turner ends up getting injured and somebody else got injured. Saskatchewan ended up going through to the Grey Cup. Uh, then the next year, they sat Bo Levi Mitchell for, what was it, I think three, four weeks. And guess what? Bo was cold going into the uh, West final. And I think if I wasn't mistaken, that was the year B, uh, Winnipeg got into the uh great cup that year when uh, i think 212 was it if i'm not mistaken uh so you know what there's no good answer in this and kid this is going to be one weird one for the winnipeg blue bombers to me i think you probably rest some guys this week i mean if i'm jackson jeff coach you ain't coming out of here until maybe the last game of the season and maybe you get two or three reps or two or three series just to make sure that you're loose and ready to go otherwise and same thing also i know in the chat they were talking about greg ellingson if he ain't healthy, you maybe put him again. If he's just ready, kind of on the edge of ready to go, maybe you put him in for a series or two just to get him going. But the thing is, you pull Zach too early, he might collapse. Yeah, if you pull him too late, he gets injured. It's it's There's no good answer in this, no matter what you do. To me, I think if you're the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, you probably play some guys, you rest some guys, and you rest the other guys, and you play those guys. So it's a weird situation. Uh, it's, it's kind of an over luxury almost as you would probably say, uh, the old rest versus rust will be debated very hard in Winnipeg for the next four weeks. And, uh, Hey, it's a better option to have to uh, debate rest versus rust than my gosh, we got to beat Calgary. Oh my gosh. We're never going to make the playoffs. What are we going to do in the whole place burning down? Uh, Richard in the chat has an interesting question for you guys. And I want a super quick, uh, answer here. Uh, who would you prefer to play in the playoffs? If you're Winnipeg, a Nathan Rourke, less BC lions or the Calgary Stampeders, Adam. I take the Stampeders to be honest with you. Jake Mayer is not a veteran quarterback by any means. Vernon Adams. He's okay. I mean, he's starting to get a little more comfortable with the team, even though this week here, there's been so many injuries on that BC team that I'd be very concerned and they're going to go hard to try to get to go like for the rest of this uh, season to try to get second locked down. Um, no, to me, I would say the Calgary Stampeders because I think that uh, Jake Mayer is a guy that just hasn't played a playoff game yet. However, that being said, you know who their backup is and I'm sure he would love to come in and probably prove a point in a West final to take him to the Grey Cup. So, you know what? I don't know. I'd rather face Saskatchewan, to be honest, but that isn't an option. Mike, what about you? 
Yeah, I'm, I, I'd rather play the BC Lions, and it has nothing to do with these two games coming up here. To me, the three games with the Bombers and the Stabs to play have been way too close for my liking. Uh, trying to convince me that you're going to beat a team a fourth time in the same year? Eh, don't like my chances. I like my BC defense over a Calgary defense. As far as my offense, having some explosion plays if I'm the Bombers. Uh, no disrespect there. Um, interested to see Calgary coming off a bye this week. Uh, but that being said, I think I'd rather play BC. Um, I think it was somebody in the comments here, Trey, said, I'll take BC Dome team playing in Winnipeg. Yeah, I like that argument too. Um, but I think, guys, my, my preference would be BC. But I'm going to be way careful not to pit my team here. I just say I'll play whoever I whoever wins that game because, hey, I only have two losses for a reason. I'm pretty sure that I can put up a pretty good game plan regardless of who comes to town. And the minute you start pitting and choosing and hoping for your opponents, uh, it doesn't go too well in my experience. No, but you're not the coach or the players picking and choosing. We're the ones analyzing which matchup right, might be right, the best right. for what them I'm here. Saying is, what I'm saying is that if you're a player, you don't want to say, oh, we'd rather play BC, we'd rather play Calgary. That gets you in a world yeah. of trouble. For me, I'm the same way. Whoever comes here, comes here. Uh, I, I think the Bombers would, would have an easier time with, with BC. But, again, you know, you, 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 you get that game last year where it's six turnovers and you know something kooky happened on a Sunday afternoon in November it's but that's just that's the Blue Jays that's the, that's the danger I realized that was you know best two out of three but you know this is a one game in a best of seven I'd say anybody but one game is just that one game and the best team on that given day wins more times than not Trey's in the chat. You're not allowed to mention the Blue Jays, Mike. It's still triggering for a lot of people. Sorry for wearing the shirt. I feel oh, bad. Okay, there we go. Okay. Uh, ooh, BC Calgary. I don't know. It's tough for me, Like, uh, especially if you're playing BC twice down the stretch. You know, Three times in four weeks against the same team is real tough. Uh, so I kind of lean towards Calgary there, but I'd rather face James Butler than I'd face Kadeem Carey. Um, but I'd rather face Jake Mayer than I would Vernon Adams Jr. because he's a mobile quarterback, and I think that causes problems for Winnipeg. So I don't know. I'm a toss-up here. I, I might honestly lean to what Trey said about uh, BC, a dome team playing in Winnipeg, because I think BC is a team that needs that home field playoff game, which means I don't know if I love their chances in the on the road in the West playoff as much. So, uh, But I think it's a very interesting question, so thank you, Richard, for that one there. Uh, let's move on to the final game of the week, the Thanksgiving Monday game, where we had the Ottawa Red Blacks uh, beat the Montreal Alouettes 24-18. to uh, Well, a bit of an upset here in this one. And uh, Bobby Dice gets his first win, taking over as interim head coach here for the Ottawa Red Blacks. Uh, Mike, we'll go to you here first on this one. Uh, tell us about Ottawa, who's not done quite yet after pulling out the win here. Ryan had two chaotic experiences today. This was one of them. The other one we'll get through in a minute. 
I'm just so glad my team is clinched first in their division because now I can sit back and watch all the chaos unfold, which I don't even know how it's going to end. But we should have seen this coming. Historically speaking, teams with fired coaches get a little bit motivated, especially against a division rival on Thanksgiving, to want to make a bit of a statement. Spoiler alert, I broke the rules on player of the week. Uh, we'll get to that in just a minute. Shocking. Um, Bob Dice, to me, rallied this group together. They seemed to figure something out with Nick Arbuckle. They had a couple nice plays there with Caleb Evans. But there is a penalty and a penalty and you did a penalty and you did a penalty and you did a penalty. That just about cost both these teams the game. Both these teams need to clean up their penalties, particularly the team that was at home. But this is a team in Ottawa that had a chance to keep themselves alive in the playoffs and are very much in the fight if you choose to look at the standings a certain way. They have a rematch next week in Ottawa on Friday night, so short week. Historically, People will say that that'll favor the team that lost in the Montreal West. Let me paint a scenario. Ottawa wins for you this week. Their last two games are against the Hamilton Tiger Cats, who may or may not have anything to play for, depending on what happens this week in Calgary. So, if you're a believer in the chaos, one game at a time, give your team a chance, play the way you did, you're in a mediocre division, no offense to anybody there. Why can't they win fourth street? It would be the ultimate story of ultimate runs. And you know what? They're in there for third. The way Hamilton and Saskatchewan are kind of limping around over there. No offense to those two teams. Nobody seems to want that spot. Ottawa just made things very interesting, even though the road is very steep to get there. Steep, but don't tell these guys that they can't do it. The way they played today, that was a heck of a football game. That was a heck of a team win. And I'll tell you what it meant a lot to the guy in charge of Bob Dice. It looked like he had won the Grey Cup or a playoff game. So happy for the guy. Feel terrible for Paul Apolise because he's thinking, what did I do to not get a performance like this? This is a team that played. This is a team that played the way they can when nobody in outside of their locker room believes that they can get it done. The challenge is, and it is, it has been for years, at least the last two years, is to try to have Ottawa win at home. I don't know. I, I I am the embracer of the chaos, and I will go out on a limb and say that Ottawa will finish third in the East and make the playoffs. Oh, boy, yeah. You had me until you mentioned they have to play at home. That That's the problem here, isn't it, right? Like, uh, their schedule is not bad. They've got two against Hamilton, and the other one is that one against Montreal you mentioned, I think, right? So... 
their destiny is still crazy enough to think a little bit in their hands because the team they're trying to catch is a team they play twice and they're only one win back now of the Thai Cats. And I don't know how many times they played against each other already this season, but I believe they have the potential for the season series if they can sweep those two against the Thai Cats. So that's something that Ottawa, if, uh, you know, with the coaching change, they can get things going here a little bit more down the stretch. Yeah, they can make it interesting. And I just hope that they, that I, I don't think they do it, but I hope they stick around, you know, for the uh, at least another week and then another week just to keep things interesting here down the stretch for the Ottawa Red Blacks. And to me, the big story for them in this one was that their offensive coordinator, Will Arndt, I think quarterbacks coach was calling the plays a very conservative game plan. Like Nick Arbuckle completed 87.5% of his passes, but put up no touchdowns. He put up no interceptions. They didn't run the ball a whole lot. All they did every single play was just dump the ball off to Justin Hardy. We'll get into that more later on in the show. Uh, of why that drove me insane. But uh, yeah, kudos to them. You know, first game, you know, after the coaching change, call a conservative game plan, play your game, get the win. And that's what they did this week. But uh, the Alouettes were the favorites in this one, Adam. You had to think this game was a letdown for them. And it seems like maybe they struggle a little bit against Ottawa because they had that trap game. They lost the home playoff game last year to Hamilton down the stretch because they lost in the final game of the week. Um, what was it here for Montreal that went wrong? You know, I just wanted to point out one other thing here because I don't think any of you guys pointed this out yet. Montreal loses out. Hamilton loses out, let's say. Saskatchewan loses both of their games. Ottawa would end up in second in home field advantage for the playoffs. Yeah. I I want to see it for the chaos. I really, really do. I am now an official Ottawa Red Blacks fan for the rest of the season. Somehow they're going to do it. Bobby Dice is not going to let me down twice because, you know, he was the head coach in Saskatchewan one season too. But, you know, we won't talk about that. We'll just talk about him going and winning uh, second place in the East. I don't know how he's going to do it, but he's going to do it. But Um, then they have to host a home playoff game, and that's the problem. Host, yeah, maybe they don't want to host them. You know what? They're probably working on a contract right now to play that game in Olympic Stadium. Anyways, we're going to move on here to the Montreal Alouettes. You're right, Mike. Nine for 122 yards. You came back with your old-style Montreal take a penalty and then take 20 more while you're at it uh, mentality. And it was just killing the Montreal Alouettes all game. They tried to establish a run first things first with a run to uh, the returning William Stanback, uh, who did not have a very good game. I wish he was going to have a good one. We'll get on to that later on as well. Uh, but you know what? Off uh, 8 for 20, uh, 2.5 yard average again. This is not William Standback numbers. He'll be better and better as the week progresses. He needs to get his feet under him. I maybe took him one week too early. We'll talk about that though, like I say, in a little bit. Uh, the Montreal defense, again, letting just these little quick, and Ottawa did exactly what they needed to do to a T today. Just nickel and dime them. Nickel and dime them. Go down the field. They don't rush. Don't throw a big, long bomb. Don't have to do anything fancy. And Montreal just didn't have any answer whatsoever for that all day long. That was essentially the difference in the game. I mean, yes, Eugene Lewis. I mean, Eugene Lewis is Eugene Lewis. Nine for 11, 108 yards, I believe, and uh, one touchdown. Only a 21-yard catch was his longest. But still very, very good. Uh 
day for Willie uh, for Eugene Lewis, but I mean, you expect a good day for always from Eugene Lewis. Uh, Herji Mayala again, five for five. Jake Wenicky four for seven, and even Trevor Harris had a good game, seventy eight percent completion percentage, which is very good. Uh, three hundred thirty eight yards and a touchdown. The key word in this is penalties. Seriously, Montreal, I'm sick of talking about it. Can you stop taking so many? If you can, you're probably going to end up going to the East semifinal. If you can't, Ottawa will take your place and do it very happily because I want to see the crowd in there deciding if they want to cheer Ottawa or not cheer Ottawa because maybe they want to figure out if they can get enough away fans to make it feel like, oh, yeah, for the other guys. Embrace the chaos. The East is here now. See, this is why I like, you know, we some more debates happened this week about the one division but versus two divisions thing. Look at the chaos we're getting out east. And, you know, as, not, as much as not fun it was to talk about early in the season, embrace the chaos, you know, the chaos I, I, football. I honestly league. want Saskatchewan to lose two games now just because I want to see Ottawa in the, in the east semi as the host. This just, was their plan the whole time. It was all my plan the entire time. Anymore, and they maybe could cross over to the West, but no, Trey, no, no, they don't. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that ship has sailed. Uh, for the Alouettes here, William Stanback came back from injury this game, but he only put up eight carries for 12 or, or eight carries for 20 yards in this game. Uh, did he leave due to injury? Because Walter Fletcher took over in the second half there with seven carries for 23 um not quite the debut or the the re-debut I guess we were looking for from William Stamback Adam are you surprised that they didn't get more going from him against Ottawa yeah a little bit I mean I know it's his first game back he came back from a very serious uh, knee injury so I mean you got to expect him to be a little bit light this week he doesn't want to probably take those hits take those chances a little bit uh maybe as much as he usually does I mean William Stanback is one of those guys that usually just takes a lick and it keeps on ticking uh can make a good run into the back or through the backfield cuts holes and just busts through people so he might have changed off his game a little bit here just because game one back doesn't want to re-injure himself right away i took a look around i couldn't see where it says anywhere where he was injured so i think he's fine i think it was just because they were not he was not having a good game uh i think they just pulled him a little bit early and went with uh Antoine. interesting yeah. guys here sorry to jump in the return of william powell for ottawa um or a lot thereof a return it sounds like he left with an upper body injury now um Boy, I feel for the guy. Um, you know, that's a guy that had a lot of success. Well, you know, it's 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 unfortunate because you know he he was severely underused in Saskatchewan, and now he goes back to Ottawa and can't seem to stay on the field. Um, it's one of the guys that in a tough spot um and I, I hope he comes back to play this year i hope that was just precautionary because the cfl's a a good lead with running backs like him in the lead yeah it's unfortunate he's had so many injuries and that's what uh that's what uh, you know hampered him in his first stint in ottawa and he ended up going to saskatchewan after that big big one there so that bad injury so 
yeah, another tough blow for for William Powell. Uh, if he's out longer term here, Devontae Williams is also on the six-game injured list. So then they're maybe going for Jackson Bennett. Mike celebrating. I have a feeling Monday Night Football might be on the TV in the background there for him. Uh, appreciate all the guys in the live chat also keeping me up to date here on uh, on the, that football game and my fantasy football matchup, which we'll get into at the end of with this absurd comeback that uh, I'm trying to pull off right now after the disaster of a week. Uh, but we'll talk about that one at the end. But uh, yeah, uh, Ottawa takes this one 24-18 and they keep the season alive and we'll see how things play out down the stretch here for them uh let's get into talking about our fantasy league results for this week uh, adam you and i uh were off to the uh quarterfinals in the cfl podcast fantasy league you couldn't see all the results at cfl pod fantasy on twitter uh i was facing travis from the two and out cfl podcast and had the most traumatic experience Watching that Montreal-Ottawa game today, up 27 points going into the final game. I had Montreal's defense. Travis had Montreal's defense. He had Justin Hardy as his wide receiver. And I'm thinking, okay, 27 points versus Justin Hardy. There's no way. It's not happening. Like, yeah, I think he could have a good game. Was I expecting Justin Hardy to go 11 catches for 79 yards in a two-point conversion? Heck, No. Had me sweating after every single catch down the stretch, but I did pull out, I believe, a four-and-a-half-point victory over Travis. I am off to the semifinals. Seeking some revenge on your behalf here, Adam. Uh, you do fall to uh, Superfan Mike from the Turf District uh, by about 20 here. Uh, done for the year here, unfortunately. What do you got to say here? Well, you know what? This was actually real fun. I actually had a great time doing it. Uh, to me, this was one of my best weeks. I mean, Vernon Adams gave me some solid points. Uh, not quite as much, though, as Zach Kalaros for uh, for uh, Superfan Mike, which hurt. Uh, William Stanback. Now, come on. William Stanback, on average, is one of the best CFL running backs there is. Not this week. I uh, just had a bad week. It happens, right? Uh, Kevin Brown, same thing. Also, we've talked about him earlier with Edmonton. Just didn't work out for me on that one. But some of the other picks, though, that I was really proud of, uh, Dalton Schoen. I mean, uh, Trey, cats off to you on your team. I mean, that was just utterly ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> with 41.2 points for uh, Dalton Schoen. Uh, but then, fortunately, so did Superfan Mike pick Dalton Schoen. So I didn't get a single extra point off of that. But otherwise, the, it was game over. Uh, same thing also. Dylan Mitchell had a great game for uh, both myself and Ryan. 22.7 points. Great week. Six receptions, 107 yards. Touchdown. Had a good one. And I thought I was going to be cheeky just at the end there because I really wanted to pick up Devontae Coxie. Couldn't do it because injured. Six-game injured list. Not going to be back for the season. And I needed a $2,500 receiver. So what did I do? I get to go and ask uh, Ryan for some advice because Ryan is usually good for a good player or two. Ends up telling me, take Alexander Hollins uh, from the BC Lions. 12 and a half points, gets an absolutely amazing touchdown reception and or 13.7 points, sorry. Um, and just has a great game for me. And I thought, boy, I'm going to have a good one. If I can just get two running backs, 
If, if, if either one of my running backs, if each one of them would have got me 10 points, I'd move on to the next round. Unfortunately, it's the way it goes. Uh, I had a great week, had a great time doing it, but uh, yeah, my season ends. So I think me and Trey are going to pick the ultimate troll teams next week. Uh, so Wednesday, yeah, I'll give you some good advice and then I'll probably throw some terrible in for you too. Yeah, you had a good run, my friend. First season in the league, finished fifth in the regular season, and uh, you faced one a, a stiff competitor uh, who did take you down here. Uh, yeah, Trey wants us to mention his lineup. Uh, Trey put up a solid 98.1 points in CFL Fantasy this week, playing a lineup that featured Dalton Schoen, Nick Dembski, Curly Gittins Jr. You're thinking, man, the stellar lineup so far. I mean, they combined for... Uh, you know, 70, 80 points in that matter. Uh, and when he spent so much at receiver, it's because he decided to go Dakota Prukop at quarterback, who put up eight points, Mike Miller, who put up zero, uh, James Tuck got a catch for 2.1 in the Bombers defense. So Trey's been a band of misfits putting up 98.1 points on the week. Uh, kudos to you, sir. I honestly did not see that coming, and uh, that that's a lot of fun. I, I really like that. That it wasn't you. You would have won a playoff matchup uh, almost against uh, multiple people here if you would have fielded that lineup. Let's put it this way: if you would have stuck into the playoffs, he was about a point or two away from passing Andrew and upsetting the first place team with that lineup. I mean, come on, man! Can you, can you imagine? I could just see the look at Andrew's face if that happened. <laughs> We're down to our final four in this league now. Uh, again, it's me and super me versus super fan Mike. I've never made the finals in three years uh, of playing in this league. I've also never beaten Mike in, in a game. So we're looking to make both of those happen this week. Uh, and then also we've got Andrew from the Turf District against Joe from Rouge, White, and Blue. So a rematch of last year's final in the other semis should be a lot of fun. Two great matchups. Uh, again, playing for some money for charity here. Uh, and one of us four will take that home. Uh, going over to our CFC Fantasy League for our season-long results. Uh, Mike, you had the top score again this week. Uh, you're on a bit of a roll lately. 114.5 points for you. Uh, how much do you love Dalton Schoen? That much. And for people on the podcast, I'm forming a heart. Well, the best I can. Um, I have a question, and I don't mean to turn this into a half-an-hour discussion. Oh, no. But it seems like everybody on these broadcasts that we listen to, whether it's radio, TV, Podcast, TSN. Sad Kalaros is the first name that comes out of people's mouths for MLP. Why is there zero consideration being given to Dalton Schoen? It's this narrative that makes me very angry that the MLP has to more times than not be a quarterback. I mean, let's look at this realistically. Other teams knew that he was going to have a big game. You go in and you try to stop number 82 or 83. I think it's 83. I don't even know the guy's number. I just know because he's got the German name and it's shown on the back. And he does a shown job of it. But anyway, here's the thing. It's time to start the MLP discussion for Dalton Schoen 
because what he is doing as a rookie doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. It doesn't. The guy shouldn't be in the CFL, probably won't be in the CFL next year, and that's going to be a sad day. But what he's doing as a rookie, never mind as a receiver, okay? He's had the... He's had the... He's had the rookie of the year basically etched on the trophy for the last six weeks, but it's not even close. We should be giving the guy his due for MOP. And I understand Richard's point about somebody's got to throw him the ball. Yeah, but he's got to catch the ball. And there's a lot of balls that he gets that are in traffic. And he had the smarts to catch the ball and then run away. What he's doing, I think it's 14 or 15 touchdowns now in 16 games. He's going to probably obliviate uh, rookie records for receiving if his peeps up. What more does the guy have to do to get consideration for this MOP award? Now, I know another guy on my team. Had a pretty good game in Zach Kolaros. But Zach will be the first guy to tell you that you got to give some serious consideration to Dalton Schoen. And that's the problem I have now with all nine teams requiring a nominee. When you get a team that's as good as Winnipeg and as good as Calgary's been in recent years, why can't you nominate two from the same team? Because I'll tell you what, those two would be right up against it. And we're probably out a couple of other guys on some couple other teams. Sorry, no disrespect to Hamilton, no disrespect to Saskatchewan, and no disrespect to Edmonton. Who, I think a lot of those fans would agree, don't necessarily deserve a nominee for MOP. It just makes the MOP vote for number one that much easier when, quite honestly, it might be a runaway between some of the top teams in the league. Now, I, I don't mean to turn that into a debate, but this Jeff Polaro's hosted at the MOP because he's a quarterback. It's getting old to me. If well, you have been watching what Dalton Schoen has been doing, you haven't been paying attention. Sucking down catches, long touchdowns, catches in traffic to extend drives. Oh, yeah. Comes back to my original point. And I'll show myself out after this one. He's a rookie. I'll uh, I'll point it out this way, and I'll give the argument why I think Zach Calero should win this one right now. Uh, you've got forty-one hundred and fifteen yards on the guy, thirty-five touchdowns, uh, has a completions percentage which is absolutely unreal right now. Uh, and he doesn't even have to play two more games, and he's absolutely obliterated any other player, any other quarterback or player right now on uh, yards made. I mean, to me, you've got the most outstanding rookie on the C in the CFL right now is the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Dalton Schoen. There's no question it's Dalton Schoen. Anybody not voting for him is just absolutely either a real homer of all homers or just is not watching CFL. Uh, the Canadian of the year? Yeah, I might give it to Nick, Nick Dembski right now. He has had an amazing comeback year. Uh, last year was kind of, eh, he had a good year. This year, he's just been incredible again. So to me, I think uh, he's an option for Canadian of the year. 
I know that Saskatchewan fans are all saying about Keon Schaefer Baker. Don't kid yourself. Nick Dembski's got it right now. And having it three, the three biggest awards in the night, MOP, uh, it's Canadian Outstanding Player, and Rookie of the Year all go probably to Winnipeg. I mean, that's a huge honor for a team that really deserves it. Even Defensive Player of the Year, you could probably throw a case in there for Adam Big Hill. On third and one, that guy there, I've never seen anybody ever go and launch himself like like Adam Big Hill can. I mean, I don't think he's going to win DOP. I think that probably is going to be Witten McManus right now. But that being said, he's had a very good year there again, Adam Big Hill. So Winnipeg is always in the nod for all these, but Zach Caleros honestly deserves probably some sort of award. If you don't give him MOP, what do you give him? There's no such thing as QB of the year. Uh, There's first team all-star. That's it. Uh, So to me, Caleros is probably your MOP right now. He has to get the ball to everybody. He has to manage the game. He has to get everything settled down. And he still has to make that pass out to Dalton Schoen. Dalton Schoen doesn't have to run the entire offense around him while making a throw. All he does, make his run, catch the ball. Does it better than pretty much anybody right now in the league. But I still think that Zach Caleros is the guy that should be your MOP. Yeah, I, oh, it's a tough one between these two for me because I my immediate reaction after watching this game, yes, Dalton Schoen to me as well should get MOP because – you look at his numbers, he's leading the league in touchdowns, he's leading the league in receiving yards, and he's on pace to put up the same numbers. Brand, didn't Brandon Banks win MOP, or at least was East MOP nominee back in 2019 for, you know, for his performance that season? And these numbers are pretty similar to that uh, here as well. So, and again, like Mike said, as a rookie, uh, but then I also kind of see the argument for Zach Caleros and maybe I've been more down on his numbers because like he really doesn't put up the flashy games. He's put up a lot of touchdowns, but he hasn't put up the flashy 300 yard passing games necessarily as well. Obviously we have to take Nathan Rourke out of the discussion because if Rourke played all season long, I think he's winning most outstanding player and most outstanding Canadian hands down, uh, assuming he kept up the pace. But now that Rourke's been injured and you're looking at Coleros versus the rest of the field at quarterback, well, quarterback's been a big problem for every other team in the league since then. So, uh, you know, if you're looking at most outstanding at his position as part of it, yeah, Coleros probably is, you know, by and large, most outstanding of the eligible picks uh, at his position. So uh, I see arguments for both sides here. And, you know, Trey, I'm just going to go and I'm going to read one of your comments here. You said that the team that uh, needs to have some success to get MOP or MOC. Didn't Milt Stiegel win the MOP? And I think I remember some terrible Blue Bomber teams when Milt Stiegel was on that team. So, you know, it's not just uh, uh, it's not just the team. It's the player. And if Saskatchewan had an all-star on that team, I'd probably nominate him. Just there ain't nobody deserving in Saskatchewan right now. I mean, Keon Schaefer-Baker will get maybe one nod for MOC if he does. I don't really know who is the MOP on Saskatchewan's team. Uh, I made an argument for Mario Alford there the other day, and I might just stick with that, to be honest with you. I don't know of anybody else. Yeah, looking at the – just coming back to the CFLC fantasy results here. So Mike had his big week at 114.5. I had 97.3. 
Uh, Trey had 77.9. Adam's score this week will be retracted and omitted. Uh, The mercy rule is in effect, so out of respect, we will not mention Adam's score for this week. Uh, Overall totals on the season, uh, I'm at 1731.4. Uh, Mike is at 1577.6, so about 160 points behind. Uh, Trey's at 1266.9. Adam, you're at 1211.5 on the season here. A couple weeks left to go in the CFC fantasy. Hey, Trey, I can still catch you. <laughs> Might help to put in a lineup uh, where guys are actually not on the injured list. Uh, that's where yeah. you should begin with that. Uh, yeah, I think. Fair point. <laughs> Uh, let's get in and take a look at our betting results for this week, powered by BetStamp. BetStamp is an app, a free app that helps you find the uh, the best odds for making your online sports betting wagers uh, by giving you comparisons, helping you find the best odds across different sports books, uh, including BetStamp recommended best odds, which is what we use every week as we make our picks against the spread on our preview show, Trey, Adam, and myself. You can learn more at betstamp.app. Sign up with referral code CFC to help grow the show. Uh, now taking a look at how we did this week. Uh, this week uh, was a rough week for Adam and I. We agreed on every game and we went one and three. Uh, Trey went two and two on the week. Uh, he did take Hamilton at minus two and a half. We took Saskatchewan at plus two and a half. All three of us got, uh, or sorry, we got... We got Toronto right. Trey took BC. Um, we had Toronto at minus one and a half. Uh, Adam and I both took Edmonton plus 13 and a half. Trey got it right with the Winnipeg minus 13. I feel like I've gotten every bomber game wrong this year. Like, I hate the big spreads. They screw me up so much. I- I'm so annoyed with them. There's no way that this should have been that way. I mean, this game just went right from, like, zero to done in, like, pretty much two minutes into this game. It was over. And we all took Montreal to win at minus six and a half here, and that didn't pan out. So, uh, so uh, one in three weeks for us, two in two weeks. Uh, Trey's the first one to hit 40 wins on the season at 40 and 29. I'm at 36 and 33. Adam, you're at 33 and 36. Uh, consensus picks on the week, I believe we also went one and three because you and I agreed on every game. So we'll see what we do in week number 19 uh, including the playoffs in the gray cup 17 games left to go 12 left in the regular season here for us to pick down the stretch uh let's talk players of the week here this week guys and uh mike let's go to you first uh who did you have as your player of the week for this week Okay, player player of the week is usually dedicated to a player. Uh, my coordinate, uh, my pitch goes to a coordinator who is an individual that I didn't ever see being an offensive coordinator. Considering I never viewed him as a decent quarterback, my mistake. My player of the week this week is Will Arndt, the quarterback slash offensive. Uh, coordinator, if you will, for the Ottawa Red Blacks. I know I broke in the rules two weeks in a row. I might get banished from the show, so we'll see if my appearance next week is still on schedule. I understand that uh, Adam and Ryan will have a discussion after the show about me breaking the rules. 
And then they look at my, fa- uh, what do you call, picks of the, or uh, power rankings. Anyway, uh, my player of the week, uh, again, I always made fun of the uh, Winnipeg Blue Bombers offense and mainly of their uh, running game because it was not the greatest when we started this season. However, that has all changed uh, over the last little bit. Brady Oliveira has just really evolved into a great running quarterback, uh, running back, and especially here when he gets cold. Uh, his stats for this week was 14 carries for 61 yards, only a 4.4 yard average, which is one thing. But you know what? Nine uh, yards is his longest run this week. One touchdown, but you know what? He kept drives going, and that was the big thing for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I said that they needed to get their running game going. They've done it by committee, even with moving things out of the backfield, like Nick Dembski doing jet sweeps or uh, McRae as well, uh, running from the backfield. So, you know, kudos to the Winnipeg uh, run game. Uh, They've really improved it. But, yeah, I'll give my nod to Brady Oliveira this week. Right? Yeah, for me this week, I'm going to Justin Hardy of the Ottawa Red Blacks. 11 catches, 13 targets, 79 yards, 42 return yards, and one Ryan fantasy football-related panic attack uh, for for everything he did this afternoon to drive me insane. I had to give him my nod of player of the week. He's a big reason they won this game. He's a big reason the Red Blacks are still in the playoff hunt, and uh, he showed some promise early in the season made I think was out with injury for a while and struggled to get back in and well now he now he's picking up the pace here uh a little bit down the stretch so uh potentially a good piece for them to build around for next year much like Dylan Mitchell over in Edmonton perhaps uh in Justin Hardy uh no surprise here that uh very well deserved Trey gives his uh player of the week to one who he says is MOP Dalton shown seven catches, eight targets, 162 yards, and three touchdowns. You can't have much of a better week than that. Uh, 41 point fantasy week. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a no brainer for a player of the week there on that one. Uh, let's talk power rankings here now, and uh, let's go to you first here, Adam. Uh, what do you have for your power rankings for this week? Just give me one second here. I got to pull mine up because I had them written down and then I completely messed up. And for some reason, I got to find them here. So uh, did one of you guys want to maybe go first while I'm looking? Yeah, I can. Sure, I can. I can go through mine. Uh, I've got Winnipeg at number one. That shouldn't be a surprise right now. And uh, I've got Toronto in at number two for me because, again, they they picked up that big win over B.C., they're first in the East. They're only going to need one win to go on to the Grey Cup, and I like their chances. I've got Calgary in at number three. I, I think their chances of getting that home playoff game are a little better than BC's right now, so uh, I give them three. BC in at number four after the loss this week. Uh, Montreal still sits five at me. They should host the East playoff game there. Uh, Hamilton moves up to six. They had a decent win this week uh that uh, you know help their playoff chances ottawa uh they're still in it so i moved them to seven saskatchewan things are looking dicey a lot of their fates not necessarily in their hands they fall to eight for me and edmonton this was a disaster so they fall to to number nine for me here for the edmonton elks as well um adam do you have your power rankings ready to go 
Yeah, I got them right here. So, uh, number one, I had to move back to Winnipeg. I mean, I've been asking for a dominant game. They gave me a dominant game. I guess they get to back to number one just because of that. Uh, Calgary, number two. I think they're probably the team that's uh, probably getting to the moors uh, at top of the peak. Uh, we'll see how long it lasts. They've been a good team as well. BC, number three. Yeah, they had a little bit of a tough week here against Toronto. I think it's more of the injury bug that's hitting them a little bit, uh, as well as the Toronto Argonauts. I think that they're number four as I have them, just because both of those teams are seeing a little bit of injuries, uh, needing to get maybe a little bit of momentum going on both sides of that football. Uh, I've got the Hamilton Tiger Cats at number six. The reason being, again, they win their big game when they had to win their big game, go up in the rankings. Number seven is the Montreal Carabans. They're going to be playing the Laval Rouge or this week. They're 5-0. and uh, That's a huge game in Quebec. If you're out in that country, grab a poutine or a smoked sandwich and make sure you watch that one. Uh, number eight I've got is the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. I'm going to switch this actually, though, because uh, that's what I had before the game against uh, Montreal and Ottawa. Ottawa will be number eight. They've got probably a better chance right now, I think, than the Saskatchewan Rough Riders who is holding on by a thread on the side of Mount Everest. And number nine, 10, of course, will be the Edmonton Elks. Did not look anything remotely good against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers this week and now have an injured running back to go with it all. Uh, Mike, what was your power rankings this week? My power rankings are a little bit sideways along with my player of the week, but here goes. I took... Uh, Sorry, I took Winnipeg, Calgary, Toronto, BC, Hamilton. Sorry, BC, Montreal, Hamilton, Ottawa, Edmonton, and Saskatchewan. I'm just going to reread that because I screwed that up halfway through. Winnipeg, Calgary, Toronto, BC, Hamilton. Sorry, Montreal, Hamilton, Ottawa, Edmonton, and Saskatchewan. So, Montreal and Hamilton flipped around, but you guys get the idea. Seems to no, be general. No crazy teams for me in there. Yeah, seems to be a general consensus among all of us here. Uh, Trey pretty much agreeing with a lot of this as well. Winnipeg, Toronto, Calgary, BC, Montreal, Hamilton, Ottawa, Edmonton, and Saskatchewan. So, uh we're all, I think, generally in the same ballpark on which teams we're high on, which teams we're lower on, and a couple of teams in the middle as well. Uh, let's, uh, I think that pretty much does it here for uh, tonight. So let's get into wrapping things up and take a look at what's coming up here next on the podcast. Uh, we've got our Week 19 preview here coming up uh, with a quick programming note. I believe this one's going to be Thursday night this week. Uh, Trey's away on vacation. Adam has a scheduling conflict for Wednesday night. So we're going to go Thursday night here, correct, Adam? Uh, same time or? Yeah, no, same time and everything. Uh, yeah, no, I've got a scheduling conflict because I got to go schedule. So uh, yeah, kind of a weird way of saying it. Anyways. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's a scheduleception. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, Thursday night this week, 9 p.m. Winnipeg time, 8 p.m. Saskatchewan. Adjust your other time zones accordingly. Uh, we'll preview each of the games. We'll talk CFL fantasy options, make our picks against the spread then as well uh, on Wednesday or on Thursday night. Sorry, normally it's Wednesday. This week it is Thursday. 
And then uh, next week, Monday, we'll be back to recap week number 19 again uh, and uh, talk about all the games, our players of the week, power rankings, etc. cetera. Uh, on uh, all, all of the live platforms, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, the Game Time TV YouTube page, uh, all made possible by our presenting sponsor, Game Time TV, which you can learn more about at gametimetv.ca. Uh, if you want to follow the podcast on social media, you can do so on Facebook, where the Canadian Football Countdown there, Twitter at CF Countdown Pod. Make sure you check out all the other great shows from around the Canadian Football Podcast Network as well. Uh, Trey's not here tonight, but you can find him on Twitter at Trey MB Harness. If you want to chat CFL, NFL, I'm pretty sure horse racing, anything you want to talk about with Trey. I, I'm sure he's happy to chat it there with you. Um, just maybe not the Blue Jays. Don't talk Blue Jays with them right now. Give them a bit of time first uh, before you do so. Uh, Mike, where can people find everything you've got going on right now? Well, we're going to set some records on Game Time TV this weekend for production-wise. Uh, so that continues to go extremely well. Thank you for all the well wishes and support. You can find me on Twitter at Mike Darrell. You can find uh, Game Time TV on uh, Facebook at facebook.com, Batspots, Game Time TV, MB. Thanks, everybody, for the support. And uh, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Yes, for sure. Yes, thank you, Mike, uh, as always, for joining us here this evening. And uh, you also, Adam, uh, where can people find what you've, what you've got going on right now? I, I, I think you may have tapped your microphone. Try tapping on your microphone. Absolutely, I did that. I just wanted to see if anybody was paying attention. Anyways, uh, it's Adam Stewart one uh, over on Twitter. Yeah, we'll be talking a lot more senior hockey coming up here pretty soon. Uh, so uh, be sure to follow that along because I always enjoy that too. Uh, but you know what? Yeah, check us out over there anywhere. Also, make sure you check out Trey when you get a moment at Trey MB Harness. He'll probably have some pictures of some pretty cool stuff uh, coming up for him pretty soon as well. Uh, Ryan, where can you guys find you and your brilliance in uh, fantasy? Well, I don't know about that, but uh, you can find me on Twitter at CooperTrooper42. Uh, Mike has just left the studio. I guess he's done with us for the night and he's off to bed uh, or he probably has something more important to do. Uh, but you can find me on Twitter there talking CFL, CFL fantasy, uh, talking NFL fantasy maybe and how it drives me insane. Um, you know, uh, the guys are letting me, keeping me updated in the chat here. So quick story, if you've got a few minutes here, Adam, uh, this week of, I drafted Russell Wilson as my quarterback preseason thinking, you know, Denver offense is going to be good, right? Well, first couple weeks didn't go well. So I put him on the bench. I picked up Marcus Mariota and started him. One week it worked out well. Next week he put up three points. So what do I do? I pick up Jared Goff, the the, the quarterback leading the number one offense in the CFL off of, uh, or in the NFL, sorry, gosh, uh, in the NFL off of waivers. I'm then going back and forth. Okay, Russ or Goff? Russ or Goff? I put Goff in the lineup. Glad watch Thursday night football. Thank God I I did not start Russell Wilson. Immediately after the game, I pull a Seattle Seahawks and drop him for Geno Smith off the waiver wire, like two minutes after the game ended. So I stash him on the bench. But I go with Jared Goff 
who of course gets shut out by the New England Patriots and only puts up five fantasy points. The rest of my lineup sucked as well. So I come into Monday night football with only Travis Kelsey remaining and a 45 point deficit to make up coming into this game. And as we're sitting here throughout the podcast all night, the notifications popping up on my phone, your player scored a touchdown, your player scored a touchdown, your player scored a touchdown because he put up four touchdowns on the day on seven receptions and 25 receiving yards, but needed one more, needed that fifth touchdown to get it done, but unfortunately fell short. Uh, So what was a 45 point deficit turned into uh, a 12 point deficit at the end of the night here. But uh, unfortunately that's the way it goes with fantasy sometimes. Well, yeah, clearly you were drinking lucky lager or something in the background when nobody was looking or what? Because I mean, wow. (laughs) What a dumb stat line. Seven catches, 25 yards, and four touchdowns. I mean, just how? Like, it's it's just about as crazy as the Hardy thing today. I mean, if if Trav would have won on that one, I mean, we would have had to get him a case of Lucky Logger or something because there's just no way. Yeah, the, the joys and sorrows of fantasy football. No, I'm having a lot of fun with the NFL fantasy and following the NFL in general. And, of course, uh, big on the CFL here down the stretch and uh, playoffs coming up in just a couple weeks here uh, for the CFL, which we're all very excited about here at the podcast. Uh, whatever podcast platform you're listening on, we appreciate if you do all the fun things like comment, subscribe, rate, review, share the show with your friends, help us grow the show. We always appreciate that. We hope everybody had a fantastic Thanksgiving weekend uh, and we'll talk to you on Thursday night with our week 19 preview show on behalf of Mike, Adam, Trey in the chat, everybody who joined us here this evening. Uh, thank you for listening. Take care. Have a good one. Bye.